Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody today. You may be seated. Thank you for coming. If you're a guest, we'll welcome you later on. Our ushers will see to it that you get a packet of material for anybody that's brand new. We do have our bulletin. Once again, if you're online, go ahead and tap in the proper place and get your digital copy. So many good things in there uh, that are placed every week. I appreciate the hard work that goes into our bulletin. Welcome to our regular attenders. Those that are here, those that are coming back, those that are guests. And uh, I'm glad that our folks online have found us. And the only way they find us is if we share with them. We need to do that. So um, what will they find when they come? They will find, as they have said so often, when they come here. Now, Sam, isn't this true? When you come here, you feel like you're home. That's right. God bless you, Sam. How many of you felt that way? You came in here and you felt like you were home. Come on. You're in a spiritual place where people are family, they care about one another, and we are, uh, without apology, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Baptist, we're old-fashioned, we're unashamed, King James Version, old paths, soul-winning, all those, you know, descriptive terms, local church, and uh, I want to thank you for being so very faithful. We are a dying breed, but uh, the Lord willing, uh, now that we see things going to kind of open up. We don't know when it is. We're, we're being cautious, aren't we? But as we see things kind of open up, we're going to get back rolling whenever we get green lights in all different areas and our ministries get going again. And I'm tired of being shut down. That's right. You say, well, preacher, you never shut the church down. I, I'm tired of folks treating it like it's shut down. We're not shut down. We have never, I have never told you not to come. I just said you come if you, if you feel you can. If you can find a way, make it, and you feel like you ought to be here, then come on. And God took care of the numbers. God took care of the arrangements and all of that. So thank you for your faithfulness. You that have been giving, those that have been mailing it in, dropping them off, those that have been coming and putting your offering envelope in the offering plate, you are extra special people. But now we have a, a very special project. During COVID, we've had six complete special missions projects over and above all of our regular giving, which has been maintained. Six projects taken care of. God bless you for that. And we're in our Bible project right now. There are five weeks in January. We're at week number four right now. There are, there's one more, and then there are four weeks in February. I want you to give something toward these hardback Bibles. Now in English, it's the King James and that's all. But in other languages, the closest thing to the King James, they're, they're sewn in, bound, and hardback, and substantial, and $8 gets them into the hands of a third world Christian who will be forever grateful. Won't you do that when we pass the plate today? Give by the installment method, $8 or more. And I think the Lord would be so pleased if we would sacrifice and somebody give 12 and somebody give 50 and somebody give 100 and I don't know whatever God's going to speak to your heart about. I hope you'll be back tonight because uh, whether you're here or live stream, I'm going to be asking you a question. Do you know the difference? Don't say it out loud now. Do you know the difference between penance and repentance? It sound, 
Preacher, I'm from down the country. Penance and repentance sounds like the same thing to me. It's not the same thing. It's a totally different concept. So I want you to be back tonight or live stream and join us with that ever-growing number. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to think about the nations of the world. The Bible says that we should go to every place and preach the gospel to every creature. How many countries do you suppose there are in the world? Well, that number differs depending upon who you are. And the reason is, the United States of America doesn't recognize every country that exists on the face of the earth. There's a thing known as recognition. So somewhere around 240, 240 plus, and it gets up around 260 when you count the dependencies in this world. We, uh, we recognize 196 nations, sovereign nations of the world as of today. But I, I recognize Taiwan. Come on! Free China. Come on! Someone's not going to like me for that. That's too bad. I don't care if you don't like me. I love the Taiwanese people. I love the Chinese people. Amen. Amen. And those folks in Kosovo, when you think about all the people around this world that are struggling just to have a little bit of what we experience every day and take for granted. Amen. But I want you to do this. Because there are so many countries, I need your help. Because I can't possibly remember all 197 of those that are recognized by the United States. So when I count to three, I want you to rattle off as many names of countries as you can until you run out, okay? Now get ready. Now think about the different continents, different places. You folks, you got Central America covered, right? Back here? Okay, all right. And South America? Okay, very good. I want to make sure you do, okay? When I count three. One, two, three, start! Come on. Come on. Come on. Say. Did somebody say Texas? <laughs> the Republic of Texas. It, it was a republic. Somebody, somebody else said California. That is the land of, it's a cereal state. Uh, fruits, nuts, and flakes. I'm not allowed to say that, but I said it. All right. So there you go. A lot of countries, aren't there? It's impossible for one person to keep track of all the nations of this world. But God, God is interested not only in every nation on earth, but He is interested in every soul. I want you to think about this. Eight, almost 8 billion souls on this planet right now. And God is interested in the smallest child in the worst third world country that's not going to live out the day. They're going to starve to death or die of some disease that a, a very simple medicine that we have access to would take care of. But He cares about every one of those precious souls. You know, Jesus Christ came to save, to seek and to save the lost. And we are saying today that every group, every people group in every country is important to the Lord Jesus Christ. We support missionaries in over 50 lands, and uh, some have actually reached multiple nations as we think about world missions. I think about, I think about Tom Gentry. Wasn't he special? He was a special friend of mine. I knew him when? 
I knew him when he pastored a church in West Sacramento, California. And I remember when he told me that he was going to go to Romania. I said, where? You're going to take all these stair-step kids and go to Romania? And he did, and did a remarkable job for Jesus Christ. Working with the people, schooling them, and, uh, and uh, the gypsy uh, outreach, the camps. Wonderful. And, and now his second generation has gone from Romania, where they're still working, and they've gone to Malawi, Africa. That's mission starting missions. We got one more than that. You, you remember, um, you remember, um, I'm trying to think. Um, yes, Brent Logan. Brent Logan. Brent Logan, pastor in the U.S. He may have started that, but he's pastor in the U.S. Then he was called to go to Romania. We supported him. Went to Romania. Started ministry there. Then God called him to Thessalonica in Greece, in Macedonia, and he went there and he started a ministry. And then God called him back to the States. He's in South Carolina starting a church down there. Now that's missions. And we supported him in his ministry in serving the Lord. I want you to take some time today after the service and don't go out these doors. I want you all to go out these doors over here and I want you to walk down that missions wall and pray as you go. Take a few moments to think about those who've left it all in order to serve the Lord in their particular area of missions. Uh, I'm very thankful to Brother Wally who first put up all those plaques. Now, by putting up all those plaques, he created work because they have to be updated. People get old, they die, we have new missionaries, we lose old missionaries, that, that happens. I'm glad for the Munzerts who took care of it briefly and then uh, I'm glad for Ed and Cheryl who have brought it all up to speed. You need to let Ed and Cheryl know how much we appreciate their leadership in that regard. The back wall has gotten a new look. Everybody turn your head around if you can. Crack, 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 turn around. All right, on the back wall, we have a new look on our missions giving, faith promise giving totals. And I want to thank Tyler and Carissa uh, for that. We've got sheep on it, along with some numbers and a verse. Other sheep I have, them I must bring, John 10 16. Why is that? Because when Jesus was ministering in the Gospels, it was just Jews that were coming. But he was saying there are other sheep too. That is not the ecumenical movement. That's people that are not Jewish, that are Gentiles, that need to come to God through Christ. And guess what? The Gospel has been opened up to the whole world now. And praise God for that truth. Missions is about praying. I want you to walk down that hallway and Find somebody and pray for them. And pray for them all day today. And the next time you come find somebody else and write down their name and pray for them all day. And after about 150 times, you will have prayed for everybody that's up there. We also have some widows up there. Did you know that? Because we don't stop supporting people when the husband dies. Come on. Come on. Amen. For you that are listening out there, you preachers, you need to start doing that. Say, so, well, we won't, we won't have as many active men preachers that we're supporting. Well, you pray about it. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And, and under those hills that those cattle are on are oil wells. And God's got all the money that is needed for us to do world missions. So it's about praying. It's about giving. 
I want to thank you for giving. Every time when you fill out your offering envelopes, there's a spot under general for missions. That's faith promise. That's what you ask God, and He tells you how much to give. And eventually, if you keep asking Him, I'm, gonna, I'm not a prophet, a prognosticator, but I'm going to say this. Your second line might get bigger than your first line. Bigger than your tithe or your general giving may be your missions giving. That would be wonderful. The People's Church in uh, Toronto, Canada, pastored by Oswald Smith for so many years, great missions church. Back in the days when many churches were giving a few thousand dollars to missions annually, his church was giving a million dollars to missions because they did faith promise throughout the church and we need to do it too. Besides praying and giving, part of this vision for world missions is going. And everybody here ought to visit a mission field, even if it's the mission church that's being started you know, down the road a ways. Wherever you can, go and, and be part of it. I'm so glad Brother Gabe has taken the young people uh, on missions trips. Brother Gabe, I, I don't know how many more missions trips you've got in you, but uh, among our staff here, I believe mission trips need to be uh, a constant occurrence. In other words, as, as many times as we have kids and we have, we have basketball night or we have something that we do with kids, we ought to have a time when they load up and with tears they get on the van and they go to Kentucky or they go someplace and they serve the Lord. They make lunch and breakfast and dinner for the missionaries and, and uh, pass out tracts and go door to door and win souls to Jesus Christ. It's, it's good Ministry and it's good training, isn't it? Amen. Amen. For everybody who's complained about kids, I want you to know that's where we need to put our investment, our prayers and our money, and send our kids on missions trips whenever we possibly can. Right now we're in that, that Beams Bible project, and I know everybody, everybody here is going to want to do it. I have... You wonder, why am, I, why am I speaking this way? I believe the pastor needs to preach like this at least a half dozen times a year. Where I bear my soul, I give you a little personal history. I want you to picture a little version of me. About down here, okay? And uh, all kids are wonderful, but all kids are funny in their own way. So I was wonderfully funny. And uh, as a little boy... I was influenced by missionaries because they would come and some of them would stay in our home. And we would have them around the church all the time. I think the most wicked thing that certain Baptist groups ever did was when they started to send people to the mission field without them having to go to all the churches. They need to go to the churches and the church get a burden and, and that's so important. It takes a little longer, doesn't it, Gabe? It takes a little longer to get there. It might take you three years to get there or two years or five years to get to the mission field but your people will know you, they'll pray for you, and they'll participate in giving. And when a need arises, oh, so-and-so out on the mission field, they, they need a heart uh, operation, and we raise the money. We've done it. They need a vehicle, we've raised the money. They need a church building in India. <laughs> Amen. They got a church building in India. So it's, it's part of becoming acquainted. And as a little guy, I became acquainted with missionaries. And I met them, and I got to know them. I don't know if I was the kid that did this, but you've heard about a little boy in the children's prayer meeting. He had heard adults praying for missionaries on the foreign field. You know, there are home missions and foreign missions. So 
But instead, he got the word wrong, and he said, Lord, help all the missionaries in the cornfields. And I think about that. That's not so far off because the fields are white unto harvest. Kind of like a cornfield or a wheat field. And I believe it's important for us to influence our kids so that they have a prayer card. They can pray at home for the XYZ family, ABC family, whatever. When I, when I got saved in Vacation Bible School back in 1955, missionary Joe Miko from Japan was stirring our imagination. I was sitting on the front row. I don't know if it was the day I got saved, but I was sitting and listening, and we had a missionary speaking to all the kids, and I was sitting right there. He had this real silky, uh, Far Eastern-looking shirt on because he was representing a mission field in the Far East. He was from Japan. And um, wearing that silky thing. And I remember I, I got up close and personal because he was so vivid in his illustrations he said, and when I was a little kid, a man came up to me and he grabbed me like this. And guess who he grabbed? He grabbed me. Now, that would make you want to get saved, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd scare you. And he grabbed me and he apologized later on. He, he kind of smoothed me out a little bit. You know how you do when you use kids in an illustration, you kind of smooth them out. Well, he kind of smoothed me out afterwards. But that was the year I asked Jesus in my heart. I was influenced by Joe Mika. What a great missionary he was. I got called to preach. Back in 1961, as a 12-year-old boy at, at camp. What was the name of that camp up in Minnesota? Lebanon. Camp Lebanon. Cost how much the first year you went? $13 to go to camp. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Cabins were rough, so what? You know, uh, it, was, it was fun. There was, the, there was the preaching and the teaching in the morning. And all week long, I heard... A missionary from an exotic place called Spain. Prang, prang. He played his guitarra. Prang, prang. And um, uh, he talked about España and the ministry of, of reaching those folks from the south, you know, where it's so Mediterranean up to the Basque country and reaching people for Jesus. And I listened to that. I was already saved. I was listening. And then there was this other missionary, and he spoke a little differently. It was similar, but he spoke Portuguese. And he was from South America. So what country was he from? Brazil. That's right. He was from Brazil. And he talked about the Amazon, where it's hot all the time. Where bugs get in your skin. I mean, it's just awful and terrible. And he talked about that, and, and about reaching those precious uh, uh, natives for Christ. It was, it was great preaching, too. They preached simply and, and to our heart. And I like camps. But, Tony, I love our camp, Camp Rapidan, because they get preached, too. Old-fashioned preaching. Old-fashioned preaching. And they would say, let God have your heart. But here's something I've never forgot. They not only got my heart, Jesus got my heart, but He got my imagination. And I wonder, have you given your imagination to the Lord? Somebody here needs to throw out all their stupid electronics. Excuse me back there, guys. Not referring to any of your electronics. But because the kids are tied up day and night with this stuff, they don't do what I did. I was a little kid. I learned to read. I became a voracious reader. And my imagination was so vivid.
I mean, I was on that boat on the high seas, back and forth. I was, I was climbing that wall and, and sliding down the other side. And, you know, I had my sword out and I was fighting all of the enemy. I had a vivid imagination because I didn't have TV like some of you have all your electronics. We had a TV in our house, but there were rules. And I might see an acceptable program for a little kid in those days once a week. Instead, I read seven days a week. I read my Bible. I read, I read books, good wholesome books. And I want to promote that today. No, I don't want you to get the cliff notes and I don't want you to just see the television version of the book, but I want you to see with your imagination because when I read the Bible, I'm on that boat with Paul before it wrecks and he have to swim to the island. And he's warming it. And my hands are right out there while he's warming his hands when that snake comes out of the fire and he shakes it off. And the people say, he's a God. I'm right there. You, know, you want to know why? Because I learned to read books. And I read the Bible. And my imagination was right there where the Bible was. There's nothing better than the Word of God. I remember in Bible college, we had a preacher come and he talked about how he was in the right place at the right time when Mao Zedong and Chow Enlai ran General Chiang Kai-shek off of the mainland and they went to Taiwan. And they were getting ready because there was a lot of saber rattling going on. They were getting ready for invasion. And praise the Lord, in that case, we parked a destroyer right there in the straits and kept them apart. But there were 50,000 troops. This missionary was invited by General Chiang Kai-shek, who was a Christian. He was a born-again Christian. And he invited this missionary to stand up on this podium. 50,000 troops. And I never forget in Bible college him describing it was raining that day. It was kind of a miserable day. All those troops were standing out there at attention on the parade field. The microphone and the huge speakers blaring out his message. That there's no other way you better prepare to meet thy God. Jesus Christ is the only way. You're going to be facing millions and millions and millions of communist Chinese soldiers. And you're, you, may, you may leave this world. You better be prepared where you're going. He stood in that pulpit in my Bible college and said, I saw 50,000 fall on their faces in the mud and ask Jesus Christ to save them and to please spare their nation. And God answered those prayers. Those are the kind of missionaries. So, well, I'm used to the other kind, where they just kind of put you to sleep. Those are few and far between. I remember hearing, I remember hearing one of my favorite missionaries, a, a distributor of the Scriptures in English and Spanish, come back from a trip down past El Paso into Mexico, and down there, they had large, large uh, uh, places where people would come and uh, he would get a hundred or two hundred together and he would show the film, The Burning Hell in Espanol. And they would watch that and, and these people would be stirred. They had never heard anything like that. 
They either were not churchgoers or they were slaves to Roman Catholicism. And they saw the burning hell that was produced by people that lined up with the sword of the Lord. Good film. Good film. Bobby Brindle. You remember Bobby Brindle? Three foot nine and a half. He played a demon in that film. They had him all dressed up like a little demon. He played a demon. And it was, it was a vivid film. And of course they, they had the Spanish translation. And hundreds of people. I remember hearing... Carlos Demarest, stir my soul. And I've been a big fan of that kind of evangelism. Go after the souls. Go after the souls. I remember preaching then by invitation. Thousands of people. And what was that time? The world's largest church and Sunday school in the Philippines. I remember preaching the gospel and seeing hundreds respond. And I remember preaching to a crowded little provincial mission where a man with a horrible limp the year before had come to the meeting in the Philippines that we had sponsored. And he came and he said, I want to start a church in such and so province, but I can't get around. I need a bicycle. And I was sitting over here, sweetheart, and I said, I'll buy him the bicycle. Give him the wheels. And then when it came time to raise money, we paid the full support of that little provincial church for two years. I got back the second year. We took a trip way out in the province to see that little church. We arrived late. Sometimes you're not always on time when you're on the mission field. There had been a threat. A black shirt had been sent said, if you're in town after dark, you're going to be wearing this. It's a funeral shirt. So I said, where is the little church building? We got to the church building. He got all of his folks in there. They're crowded in there. They were all around me. And I preached a wonderful message, and I saw the fruit of that man's labor. I saw what a few dollars would do. You can't even measure it. I mean, if you would give up Starbucks coffee for a month, you could support a ministry all by yourself in some of these places. And I'm not against Starbucks coffee. I'm just saying, by comparison, that's so possible. It is so possible. And I was so glad to see them respond. And then I was so glad to get out of town before any threats were carried out. Say, so why is that? Because I'm human from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. You could check it out. 100% human, 98.6 or close to it most of the time. Missions includes you, your family, your spouse, everybody you can win to Christ, all of your church family, everybody around you. Missions is not just about them or them or them. It's about all of us. It's local church-centered. Missionaries are sent by local churches. They are supported by local churches. We believe in the primacy of the local church. But I do not adapt, I don't, I don't believe the extreme position by one of my brethren who says the only real missionaries are the men who are the pastors on the field. He takes the passage of Scripture that speaks of evangelists and he says only the people that are pastoring the church are the actual missionary. I beg to differ. The man, the woman, the family that works behind the scenes, they're all missionaries. 
Everybody on this planet who knows Jesus is a missionary in every lost person in the mission field. I believe just as true as there are gifts, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I believe that God has gifted you to use your gift in the Great Commission. I don't know what it is that He wants you to be or to do, but whatever it is, that's what we need to do. Missions is not the answer to the social needs of mankind. The social gospel has destroyed missions and destroyed most denominations today because they're only interested in feeding folks, housing folks, clothing folks, instead of reaching souls first and foremost. Nothing wrong with food and clothes and a roof over the head as part of the total package, but the main business, the main thing, is to reach their lost soul with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I say keep on out there. Lee Hill, you and your people with your bilingual church in California, keep on keeping on because missions is important. We support you and we want you to support missions. And all around the world, those of you that are viewing, out there in Croatia, we want you to keep on and start missions, start churches, do what you can out there, win souls to Jesus Christ before it's too late. The end game is to go. Soul win. Baptize. Teach them to do the same thing. Now the Great Commission is found in five places in the New Testament. The shortest place. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark 16 and verse 15. This is brief and it's very common. Jesus said unto them, and He said unto them, here it is. Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You could put this, it would fit on a billboard with a comment. What part of this don't you understand? Christians, church, what part of this don't we understand? It is a matter of obedience. The need is there. Lost souls are dying and going to hell. Turn over to Luke chapter 24. It's similar to what we find in John. Luke, of course, is the physician, and he's very wordy. It says in verse 36 that Jesus saith to them, Peace be unto you. They were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And here it is. And ye are witnesses of these things. And by extension, so are you, and so am I. Over in John chapter 20, verse Number 19 on down, we read many of the same things. He said, as he stood in the midst, peace be unto you. He showed his hands and his sides. But you see, John's a little briefer than, than the physician was. 
in writing about it. He says in verse 21 of John 20, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Even so send I you. Then I'm thinking in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you'll turn there quickly. Turn to the fifth book of the New Testament. They're asking about the times and the seasons in verse 7. What's going to happen? They're looking for an eschatology chart, Gabe. But uh, he wasn't going to give them one. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. In other words, don't get preoccupied with just prophecy. Preachers, don't get preoccupied with just prophecy. Prophecy should be a motivation to win souls. Go, soul win, baptize, teach. That's it. But then he says this, but ye shall receive what? Power. Now that's dynamic power. Explosive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. There's our world missions plan. There's our strategy. Now the Holy Ghost that's spoken of here, the Holy Spirit, this is not where they're first indwelt. Because back in John chapter 20, we saw how He breathed on them, and He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost in verse 22. So they already had the indwelling Holy Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost that he's talking about? The special endowment of power whereby they were able to carry out the Great Commission. That's what you and I need to do. We need to go and tarry and pray and not leave home without the endowment, the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of, led by, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You say, I don't feel like it when I first get up in the morning. Pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I don't feel like it when I put on my clothes. Pray for the fullness, the endowment of power by the Holy Spirit. I don't feel like it when I go out the front door. Pray for the fullness, the endowment of power of the Holy Spirit. I don't feel like it when I get behind the wheel of my car and back out and I drive out in the street. Pray for the fullness as you're going, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Pray for that power. And then when you pull up in front of the house and you have your prayer and you get out and you go and knock on the door, watch what God can do. We're not talking about feelings. We're talking about what God can do. What God wants to do. And so we come all the way back full circle to where we started. In Matthew 28, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me. That's a different word. A different kind of power. You see, the power in Acts 1 and verse 8 is dynamic, explosive power. The power that's in Matthew 28, 18 is authority power, dominion power, directive power. He's in charge. He's got the authority. He's got the jurisdiction, Sam. He, you, listen, he's got the jurisdiction. He, he owns it all. He controls it all. He's in charge. He holds it. Just like, just like you see on the prayer bulletin today. You got the whole world in His hand. He holds it. He's in charge. All power. All authority. The one who breathed it all into existence. Spoke it all into existence. Formed the first man. The one who is behind our creation and our sustaining is the one that says, Now I want you to take what I have created. I want you to take what I have made, 
And I want you to go into all the world. I want you to go. That is not a hint or a clue. It is not a mere suggestion or even a strong recommendation. It is a commandment. It's an imperative. Go into all the world. Go into all the world, church. You say, well, we're, we're kind of decimated by this thing. Uh, got a bunch out there. Well, I don't see everybody. It's just you and the Lord. It's just me and the Lord. we got to do business with God today. Just you and Jesus. Just you and Je Just me and Jesus. That's it. He's the one we're talking to. He's saying, go. The answer is, I will go. You said, go, I'm going to go. Go. And when we go and teach all nations, that word for teach means to instruct them in such a way as they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So it's go and so win. And then, then, by the authority of the local church, because I'm local church all the way, 100%. I mean, outside, inside, inside my skin, I'm local church. We have the authority to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. To give a picture, an outward picture, of what's happened to them inside. So we go, and we soul win, and we baptize. And what do we do? We teach them. We teach them to do, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I like that always. It's the same thing as we have in, in uh, Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's not always with an S on it. If your Bible has an S on it, it's incorrect. It's always. See, always means every way, all the time, every situation. It's more encompassing than always, which means all the time. All the time, in every situation, under every possible circumstance. That's it. We have been called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. For 2,000 years, we've had this mandate. And for 2,000 years, we have failed to complete our, our, our commandment that's been given to us. And we need to. We need to do everything we can. We need to make... The, the final orders of our commander-in-chief, in our first priority. We need to say, Lord, yes, 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 yes. Right now, it's not about the whole church, because then you can think about the other guy, the other gal. Right now, it's about me and Jesus. Right now, it's about you and Jesus. You out there on YouTube and Facebook, it's about you and Jesus. What are you going to do about the Great Commission? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you right now, the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart and you want to raise your hand with me and say yes to Jesus? Come on. You want to say yes to Jesus? You want to say yes to the command? Yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Amen. All across the auditorium, praise the Lord. Let's do everything we can. Let's share the best we know how. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, would you pray right now from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you slip your hand up right now so I can see it?
Jesus 